0: Sermon this morning, and I do so with uh, incredible excitement um, because the guy that's going to share with us this morning is a long-time friend, a really, really long-time friend. We've known each other, I'd say, properly since 2005. Um, so Stephen said his name. So Joey I've known you since 2005, but we met in 2004, and I believe that's the same year we came to faith. Is that right? Yeah, you came to faith 2004, became a Christian then. Um, what's actually really cool, and I didn't know he was going to show up, is that. Uh, I've also known Sam, who's at the back, the same amount of time. Um, And this is how we know one another. Dude, you also came to faith in 2004, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, This is how we, we know one another. We were all in the same discipleship group. So we come to faith in 2004, and then this guy, this white American and crazy guy who we love deeply, decided, you know what, I want to be faithful to what the scriptures say, so I want to disciple a few so that they can turn and go and disciple a few others. And so we got plugged into the same discipleship group, and this is kind of what it looked like back in the day. I don't know if you guys can see that. Yeah, it it was rough back in the day. Um... So so the dude with his tongue out, that's Sam right at the back. Um, the handsome young man there with the glasses, that's me. But that was obvious. And then Joey's right here in the center with uh, with his cap on. And Corey is the, the white crazy guy. And there's a whole bunch of other guys. But it, it was just amazing how God had taken these individuals from different backgrounds and said, Listen, I, I want you to walk a road with one another. I want you to follow... Corey, I want you to follow this man as he follows Christ. These are words that we see in the scriptures. And so we've known each other uh, since then. And it's just been an incredible journey watching what God is doing and and seeing what God is doing in Joey's life has been phenomenal. He is an incredible encouragement to me. I remember having a conversation with him uh, when I was thinking about planting a church. And I remember your words were, hey, listen, you better pray because church planting isn't for sissies. And that was so true. Like in that moment, I was like, what is this guy on about? But now I realize it. Not that it requires people to be like super amazing, but it requires you to be anchored in the Lord. You're going to need him more than ever. And I see it over and over again as we gather weekly that God is up to something. He is up to something. And so getting to see Joey live his life, faithfully do so as he disciples, as he continues to disciple men, something that he's continued to do since 2005. It's an incredible encouragement to me. And it spurs me on to keep doing what I believe God has called us to do. Because if you, if you think about it, God never asked us to plant churches. Nowhere in the scriptures will you find that. But rather he calls us to make disciples. And so why do we plant churches? Because we believe it's one of the best ways to make disciples. And so I believe there's no better man to come and share a little bit about that than than Joey, someone that I have personally seen and experienced. Um, and so as he comes up, I'll say this about him. Joey currently works at the Lions Rugby Club. He is the head coach. I know he's going to hate me for saying this, but he's the head coach of the under-19s team. Um, he does a number of other amazing things there. He's been in the rugby world, uh, as you can see, um, for a very, very long time. Uh, he's married uh, to Zinzi, an amazing, amazing, amazing woman who is a chartered accountant at R&B. and RMB. Uh, and one of the cool things about living life together is we get to be in each other's weddings. And so we get to grow together. That's the beauty of discipleship. You get to grow together. And so, brother, I just want to pray for you as you bring the word to us. Join me as we pray. Father, thank you. Um, thank you so much for this man. Uh, thank you for what you have done in and through his life. Uh, what an incredible encouragement. I've uh, gotten a front row seat to how you have worked in him and and how you continue to do so Uh, wherever you call him to whether it's here in Pretoria when he worked at uh, the Bulls or whether you call him to uh, Joburg Father God at the Lions I know that wherever he goes he will always seek to be faithful to you uh, to make disciples who will go on to make more disciples as he anchors himself in the gospel and so Father I ask that you would speak through him this morning that our hearts would be softened that we would be ready to receive from you and so to to that end that i ask that you would stand in his body think through his mind speak through his mouth those things you've have us know say and do may the meditations of our heart lord be acceptable in your sight Uh, father you are our redeemer you are our king we love you we praise you in Jesus' beautiful beautiful name amen
1: thank you very much uh, one i appreciate the introduction um Firstly, just thank you. I think it's a massive honor for you guys to have me here. Um, It's always an honor to give God's Word to anybody, so thank you. Much appreciated. Um, Then a couple of disclaimers. One said he speaks for like 40 or 50 minutes, even sometimes. I don't have the capacity, okay? So see me today as the substitute teacher who comes in and lets you out to break a bit earlier. So please prep your heart. We won't be here for very long. Um, I don't speak that long. Um, So just by way of introduction quickly, so I grew up in Brits, a uh, small place in the northwest province. Uh, they still wear those shirts there that says, uh, Prato Afrikaans so for your Back, because uh, it's, it's deep, it's happening there. They need to get trans. Transcultural. We're gonna take a transcultural trip to Brits sometime in the future. We'll do it. Um, but I loved it. There was just good, innocent growing up. Um, then I went to Pretoria Boys High at School. Um, really enjoyed my time there. Um, Learned all the good things in life and also not so great things in life. Um, then in 2004, when I thought, so you've got to imagine to yourself, if you spend five years of your teenage years in a boys' school of 1,500, you think to yourself, I'm coming to varsity. Here we go. Like, this is it. You know, like, this is spring break. It's going to be happening. Psh. Little did I know that God had an alternative plan. Um, he, he, he brought a man across our lives. Um, so even on that story that one shares, in 2004, I think we we're one of these camps, they call it a joint winter conference. So it's all the campus outreach people who meet at this place. And I remember... I think they got the gospel before I did, Sammy and and one, because how I remember the story happening is we were at a place, it was similar to this, somebody was just about to share the word and then we're having a praise and worship, the singing part. Um, so this guy was busy in the front singing everything and then I'm there, so sort of scouting because I'm thinking I've ticked the box now, okay? So now I was in a boys' school. I can't now approach non-Christian girls. So these folks have told me, at least if you want to approach, don't approach girls. If you do approach girls, let them be Christian girls. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm at a Christian camp. I'm going to go do this thing. So these folks are busy praising and worshiping. I'm just scouting. I'm checking. I'm checking. (laughs) So then I want to nudge Sam and say, Sam, look. And he's like, Ah, I'm busy. Like, yeah, but what are you busy with? We know this Christian thing, but come on, get serious. He's like, No, Joey, leave me. I'm in this, I'm worshiping. Then I'm like, In that moment, I thought, Okay, you're not so lacquer, and you need to get lacquer with the Lord. So I think I don't have a specific day where I became a believer. You know, some people come up to the front and pray, but that day I see as a day where it really became real to me. Uh, and because they were there and they believed that gospel, it helped me. So that's who I am till then. Um, at home, I've got uh, mother. Single mother, lost my father when I was seven. Um, she's raised myself, my sister, and my brother for the last 20 odd years. So she's a rock star. And all she always says is, I'll pray for you. That's all she does. I promise you, she's a rock star. She prays us. Everything that happens in our lives, we phone her first we say, You've got no idea what we're talking about, but this thing has happened to us and we thank you for praying for us. So she's a rock star and she's raised us by God's grace. Um, yeah, so what I want to try to do today, in case I lose you, I think it's always good to give you a flow of what I'm going to do so you know. Um, I'm going to try make a case for discipleship. I'm going to then try and make a view of discipleship because I think discipleship is such a massive thing. It can be seen from many different angles. So I'm just going to give a specific view on discipleship. Then I'm going to chat some about the cost of discipleship. And I'm glad the question that one spoke about, we're going to hit into that stuff because it is costly. Unfortunately, anything in life that's worthwhile is always going to cost a little something. Um, so that's what it is. And then last one, just some practical applications. I've called it here, getting stuck into discipleship. How do we move on together and fight along this good fight? So, so, for the case of discipleship, there's three parts. The first part is, we've got to do it simply because Jesus told us to do it. Like, um, So, if you can imagine, Jesus dies, is raised again, comes back from, if I come back from the dead, so let's say, no, put it this way, yeah, let's say I come back from the dead and I've got one day to tell you all the most important things. I'm not going to come to you and say, yes, you remember when Chelsea played Man United and... <laughs> They lost yesterday against Arsenal. What am I going to tell you? I'm going to tell you stuff that's important, that's close to my heart. So if Jesus dies, fights in hell, beats up people, comes out again victorious, and he gets one more chance to share with his disciples, he goes and takes them to Matthew 28, um, and then he says the following words to them. So for me, it's profound. Um, I like to read the Bible like it's real. Sorry, just a little side note. Um, What we just did now with the fellowship thing, I love that because it means we are real. If you are able in the middle of the church service to talk and say, I don't like sharing with people because I hate people. Who says I hate people in a church? That is brilliant. I used to hate people. You don't hate people anymore. So I love that because it just means you you are real. So when I read the Bible, I try to make it as real as possible. So I'm imagining what happens before Jesus gives him the Great Commission. Peter's like, dude, you're going where? And he's like, okay, tell me what to do while you're away, because I'm going to do it. Because you imagine Peter's like, it. He's like, okay, Peter, relax yourself. This is what you're going to do. He says, now, uh, the Bible says in Matthew 28, verse 16 to 20, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when, he saw, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. If the Bible wasn't real, who'd write that? Why write some doubted? If the Bible wasn't real, I'd say everyone believed, and they said him. But anyways, another side note, focus. Then Jesus came and said, all authority in heaven has been given, has been given, is it on here? I don't read so well, by the way. Um, I don't know what it is, but in public, I don't read so well. I used to hate it. One last side note. Um, in English at school, in primary school, they used to, you know, you guys know how you use, used to read a book and then the teacher used to go down the row. And then I, I would always try to find out how many sentences everyone's reading scan my one, two, three, four, three times four, twelve. Go to the 12th sentence and start reading. Then some other oak will get up just before it's his turn and then go to the toilet. Then I'm reading stuff that I haven't practiced anyway. I was like, ah! <laughs> but anyway, so I'm still fighting, fighting, fighting. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. I've got everything. I've got all the power. All rest with me. Don't worry about it. I've got everything. I've got the power. Come to me in me. We're going to do the following. Go, therefore. Not, imagine. He doesn't say... All authority in heaven and earth has been given to you. Now you go. He says, no, no, no. It's been given to me. So in me, let us go, uh, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. So Peter, calm down. I'm with you. I've shown you what to do the last three years. If you doubt, just do what I've been doing for the last three years with you. Don't look anywhere else. Go eat with people, Peter. Go eat with the people you don't like. Go there. Go. What did you see me do? They were fishermen. I didn't tell stories to fishermen about hunters because they don't understand what hunters do. When I spoke to fishermen, I told them about fishermen. When I spoke to uh, farmers. I told them about the seed, planting seed. So, just go do what I did, Peter. So, that was Jesus to Peter um, and to the rest of them, obviously, because they were all there in Matthew 28. Then the second one, <clears throat> I want to argue. This is still making a case for discipleship. I want to argue about John. I've never seen this in John that just as Matthew 28 is written, it's after Jesus is resurrected. It's also in John 21. So, this is big. Let's, I'm going to try and make an argument that say Jesus brings discipleship and looking after his sheep to the level of if I claim to love Jesus, I have to be doing discipleship and influencing people's lives. That's the statement out there. So I can't say I love you, Jesus, and then here got nothing to do with people and discipling people and being disciple. And this is the scripture I'm going to try to base it on. We can always speak afterwards, and one is a very um, theological man. So if I get it wrong... He'll fix it for me. When they had, this is after Jesus resurrected. It says, when they had finished breakfast, again, the Bible is amazing. I would never write when they'd finished breakfast, but that's just me. I engage with it. Um, when they'd finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? When One, your lead pastor, is in trouble, his mother doesn't say, One, what have you done wrong? She says, One, what have you done wrong? So he's trying to get the attention. I would have said, I mean, this is after we've lived together for three years. Hey, Pete, do you love me? He says, No. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He's getting his attention. This is just not another conversation. This is a real conversation. So Simon says, Yeah, oh, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. So he says to him, Feed my lands. Do you love me? Yes, I do, of course. Okay. Feed my lambs. That's one. So you think, okay, he's got it. Verse 16. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? You guys know Peter. Passionate. So now he's saying, okay, you're busy testing me now. He says to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. You claim to love me? Yes, you love me. How are you going to show you love me? Tend my sheep. Seventeen, And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now you know Peter. (sighs) Peter was grieved because he had asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Do you guys know about sheep, hey? (laughs) It's only... God loves us, therefore he makes, us, he makes a lot of examples of us calling us sheep and him a shepherd. But I would take personal, I, I, I want to take it up one day, I think. I want to take it up one day. Because if you see sheep, you know that sheep, if, they, if you give them to graze in this little thing here, they'll eat this until it's finished. And then here is the next piece of green grass, and they won't eat it. Because you've told them to stay here. Sheep are dumb, they are silly, they, they can't look after themselves, they freeze under pressure like run away. No wolf is coming, that's sheep. So, when he's saying 10 after me, he's saying, I know you, I know you, you need each other, you need each other. A sheep by itself, you're it's gone, it's finished, it's gone. We need each other. We need him and we need each other. So, this first point again on making a case for disciples is Jesus told us. The second one is that if we claim to love him, we must be. We must be making a difference in people's lives. Then, the last one on that point for the case of discipleship is that church and small groups won't do it. So, I, I'm not good at maths. Um, so, I took a calculator. I went 7 times 24, it gave me 164. Then I said, Imagine you can sleep. A mother, you don't sleep for eight hours, eh? so you're out of this equation. You sleep for about two and a half or four. So for us who don't have children who can sleep for eight hours, that minus 168 minus 56 is 112. That's hours you've got to live. So if we do church, let's say one talks and it's for, speaks for an hour, you need to do church for another, it's two hours. Then your small group that day has decided to do the eat and run thing. That's another two hours. So that's four hours. That leaves you with 108 other hours. Of life. If we're not doing discipleship if, if those are the only places where our relationship with God and our relationship together are going to be cultivated, is in those four hours we're to hiding to nothing. It's impossible. What are we doing with the other 108 hours? It's a heck of a lot of time. What do you do with your lunch break? Who do you have lunch with? Who do you watch your rugby with? What are we doing with 108 hours? We've got so much time. Or we gotta, I'm gonna get, I mustn't go too far, but just that. I just wanted to say the church and a small group won't be enough. The 108 other hours, we've got to be doing something about those with each other. Um, so that's the case for discipleship, why I feel like we need it, why Jesus would have put it at the forefront. Um, then I'm going to talk about a view of discipleship. So I went and looked up a dictionary meaning of the word disciple. There's a, I think it's a Greek word called M-A-T-H-E-T-E-S, something along those lines, okay, that says, it generally refers to any student, pupil, apprentice in relation to a teacher. In the ancient world, however, it was often associated with people who who were devoted followers of a great religious leader or teacher. That's what a... That's what the definition of disciple is. So all I wanted to focus there is on devotion, devoted. Devoted. You guys are all devoted people, I know. You know how I know. I checked your Twitter and Facebook accounts. I know you're devoted. One is devoted to, which is that team you support? Manchester City. Manchester City. He's devoted. He knows where they play, who their coach,es what their coaching patterns are. We are all devoted to something. And you Oaks who say, no, we're not sports people, if I say Harvey Specter... Mike Ross? Not? You're still shaking your head, sir. What are you devoted to? There must be something you're devoted to. Yes. There we go. So, <laughs> so There's something you are devoted to. Um, so I want to argue on that point. If it says a disciple is somebody who's devoted to somebody. I want to argue that discipleship for today, I said discipleship is almost like a big thing that you can see from very angles. I'd like us to see discipleship for today as knowing and being known is discipleship. Knowing and being known. So that is just me saying that. I'm going to try and make it biblical for you. So in Revelation 7, another side note off, I keep saying revelations. And I looked in the Bible today for the first time, it says Revelation. So I've been telling people the wrong stuff. So they're probably looking at you like, Revelations? Uh, But anyways, Revelation 7. It says, um, do I have it here? There we go. It says, after this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that nobody could number from every nation, from all tribes and people, languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice. That's a beautiful picture. It's almost like this time's... A heck of a lot. Um, And it says, salvation belongs to the God, to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing on the throne around the elders and the four living creatures. All I wanted is just the top part of that. Okay. So that's a great picture. And all I want to say is those people, I'm going to argue, were known and being known in a community and were known and been known by God. That's the only reason that they are part of this picture. That's my first of argument. You're going to say, how do you know that? Then I'm going to say, okay, let's go to Matthew 7. we got that there. It says the following. Not everyone who says to me on that day, Lord, Lord, will, is that right? Lord, Lord, will, oh yeah, who said to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven on that day many will say the following did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works and then i will declare to them i never knew you not you didn't do enough not you didn't go enough church services i did not know you you weren't known in your community. You weren't knowing people. And I did not know you. So I have to argue today that discipleship is simply being known and knowing each other in our community. And that must reflect itself in Jesus knowing, us knowing, fighting to continue Him and Him knowing us. It has to be. Because the key thing there is not I mean. Please show me, please by a show of hands, who has cast out demons here? No, I mean, if you have, please don't call me. I hope I'm never called to that ministry. Okay, yeah, so there we go. There's one. So you're a, uh, please, and I uh, keep that ministry to yourself, may it be. I never want to. Don't phone me. Phone one. Never want to be a part of that. But, uh, but the Lord, every time I say I never want to be a part of something, he makes me do it. So, ah, uh, Dang it, he's caught me again. See, I'm a sheep, so always on a hiding to nothing. So my point there is just that, is I, I have to argue based on that, that um, discipleship is, sim- is simply that process of us knowing and being known. Um, and this is what it helps me for. There's two things it helps me for, maybe it'll help you. Being known in my community and knowing other people helps me the following two. It reminds me who he, who he is and what he has done for me. So every time I look at, let's say I look at one, I, or Sam in the background there. You guys should have seen that oak. He's a man now who loves the Lord, happily married. But when you saw him in 2004, what a write-off. And that's coming from another write-off. So there's absolutely no hope. So he's a double write-off. It's bad. So now when I see him like this, I'm like, there must be a God. And look who he's done. Look what he has done. Because if I don't see that, I forget. And if you think you don't forget, look at our forefathers. How do you cross through the Red Sea? You walk. Fish and Mimo and what's that thing? Nemo. And I side, you walk straight through dry land. I don't know how much longer after that you go hungry for a couple of days and you say, where is this God? Where is he? I do that often. If I don't have people who are am discipling or discipling me, who are walking with me, who I'm knowing and being, I'll say, no, no, don't forget. He's done this. So that's what it helps me with. That's the one thing. The second one, it helps me remember who I am in Him and what He has called me to. So if I just walk by myself, I'll do this. I'll make my rugby coaching completely just about winning trophies. That's it. I'll forget about relationships. I'll forget about. All I am about, and I'm a hard man, I speak hard to the but at least I'm fair. Um, I'm fair as well. All I'll be about is just win trophies. Don't care. People, 19-year-olds in the most important time of their life. What does that have to do with me? I get paid to win. We must win games. Then I sit with miyani, who is in your congregation. He's my financial advisor. When we speak about finances, we never get to the finances. I sit down with a man, and then I get it. How are the players doing? How are their hearts? Are you making a difference? Because he reminds me that I'm at the Lions not to win trophies only, but to make a difference in those men's lives. Are they becoming better men? Are they hearing the gospel? Are they getting a chance to make a decision for the gospel? So if it wasn't for him, so if I'm not knowing him and being known by him, I'll forget. I'll forget who God is and what he has done. I'll forget what my mission in life is. So those two things ask me. That is, uh, that is the part for the view, the view on discipleship. So that's just being discipleship as knowing and being known. Then the last, or second to last, second last, you spend time with Americans, they speak second to last, eh? Second to last. Um, it's the cost of discipleship. Here, I haven't used so much scripture, but I just wanted to chat about it in that I have to say it, that it's going to cost us something. It's, it's just, there's no, there's no easy way to say it. It's like dropping a player. When you drop a player, you can't have a nice way of saying, no. It's because you have to say, listen, you're not playing this weekend, and then you tell him you love him and whatever. So this is it. This is like saying... You have to, like, there's no better way. He's never going to walk away and say, oh, you're a, yes, thank you so much for dropping me. You're a great guy. So that's never going to happen. So similar to this is, this is the part of the conversation where I just almost want us just to together confess that it's not easy to know that it's going to cost us something, but that it's worthwhile. So as we were sharing here, um, I love that question thing that you guys did here. If I plant a church one day, I'll also do it, but I'm not going to plant a church any time. Not for sissy. Um, so, while we were sharing, I mean, the, some of the things that came up in our group was, it's exhausting. I find that. It's the last thing I need after long days to go spend time with another person. It can be uh, people who got different principles from me. It can be I've got trust issues. So, the minute I put myself out there, it's going to cost me something. So, there's three guys that I'm discipling in, Pretor, in Joburg at the moment. Um, I won't say their names, but... We we used to meet every Saturday, well this is out of season, every Saturday at McDonald's. So, I know that they like eating, so every time I buy their McDonald's, they they it. You can share anything with them, they want to confess all their sins, they want to share, it's <laughs> it's wonderful. So, once I discovered that, I thought, okay, every Saturday at McDonald's, here we're going to go. <clears throat> then, Zinzi and I do this thing, she's the accountant, by the way, and I'm the one who must be the minister of finance, because she just spends money, like... <laughs> Anyways, I love it. by the way. Don't... So, we get to a place now where we're doing our recon. We do it bi-monthly. Every two weeks we say, oh, we sticking to budget. We get to somewhere and I'm like on 800 Rand for the month for s- not groceries, just for normal spending. Because I didn't realize that every single time we on a Saturday we go there, it's cost to be 200 Rand. There I am, 800 Rand later. And the only thing that saved my heart that day is I could say to her, that's not my own McDonald's, it's for the kingdom. Otherwise, I was, <laughs> that was going to come with my gold budget, and that comes with my gold b- golf budget, then our marriage is on the rocks. So <laughs> it, was, it was big that she understood that one. Um, so it's going to cost. It's going to cost us something. It's going to cost you financially. It will hurt. Because you're going to drive to a place you don't want to drive. You're going to have to fetch someone you don't want to fetch who doesn't have a car. You're going to have to open up your house to somebody you'd have never opened your house to, ever, and let them come into your house. You're going to open up yourself emotionally to somebody who said, I'll never, ever do that again. Mm. And you sat together and you prayed together about it. Mm. And they do it again. And because I never do that, I'm high and mighty. I'm the flippant same. Sorry, can I say flippant (laughs) same? So my point is just that It's going to cost us, and it's going to be okay, though. I think it's really okay because um, God's grace is going to be sufficient. That's all I've got. I can't give you, I wish I was a prosperity oak, and I'd give you how it's going to make you bank balance change and stuff. I can't give you that. All I can give you is that it's going to be worth it definitely at the end. It's going to cost you something, but God's grace is sufficient. So when you can't anymore, and you're tired, and you've got two babies, and there's a group starting in an hour, and they're crying, you haven't slept. It's like, God, I need your grace. Help. Because I know this is good. I know at your heart is people. That's why you asked Peter, tend my sheep. And I want to be a part of that. You promised in Matthew 28 that all power and authority is given to you. Give me that. I need some now because I need to go out there and be known and know people. So let's together say it's not easy for any of us. Let's together say it's going to be tough. Let's together say it's going to be challenging and it's going to cost us. Let's share how much it's costing us, if that makes sense. So come on a Sunday and say, one, this thing of yours is too much. My budget is too much. I'm emotionally, people are telling me things. But let's know it's all happening to us and then we can do it together. What are we doing then? We're also knowing and being known. And we're sharing the... The burden together. Um, I heard the other day that community, that's what community is. You you multiply each other's joys. So when knowing and being known is exciting, share it. So you can say, what? That's amazing what's going on there. Keep sharing it. And then when it's not going great, you divide each other's sorrows. So when somebody's battling to get to it and you can't get to it, it's like, okay, it's okay. We are with you in this thing. Um, so there's no scripture there. I hope it's good luck. Good um, luck. Good luck, good luck, good luck, good luck. Make it biblical for yourself. Um, Then, getting stuck into discipleship, uh, when I might get to 30 minutes, can you believe it? If I speak for four more minutes, I'll get to 30 minutes. I'm going to speak very slowly. Now, um, (laughs) getting stuck in. um, I said the first point is just to know and be known. So just start. Um, start with the first person you need to know and be known by. Start with Jesus. Start today. Like um, that's, I love the fact that every day we can go to the cross. I, I, I keep telling this to Zinzi. I say, my pet hate is every morning I've got to brush my teeth and shower. Don't, is it my only person. I hate the fact that I don't wake up and I'm fine. Like, I want to wake up, put on clothes, go, and then, sorry, to I must share to the white people. Somehow, and this is probably why... I, When we black people shower, afterwards, we must put on cream or something. I'm just like, so... I hate it. I hate it. So, every morning in the shower... Like, Lord, so it gives me a chance. Like, while I'm repenting, I'm just like, okay, start again at the cross. I'm imperfect. I need you. Help me again. Help me to know you. Help me to be known by you. So shower time for me in the morning is, again, giving my life to the Lord over and over and over again. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough. So, so once that part's done, is then once I've known and been known by God, I just have to find people in here that will know me that I'll know continually, over and over again. The process doesn't stop. It's over and over again. One, know me all over again. Let me know you all over again. Keep at it, keep at it, keep at it. So that's the first part. The second part is be intimate. So what I find a lot is I do this. Um, As soon as somebody speaks on, let's say, giving, and I realize I'm giving too little, I just run out and I give, give, give to the point where i like, I've given too much. That it was stupid. Like, I strive to fix it myself. Does that make sense? Like, I somebody speaks on, I don't know, give me a topic. Then I say, I'm going to fix myself. Then I do do. Then it just gets tiring and boring. And then I'm not as inspired as I was on Sunday. So now by Wednesday, I'm like, ah, this is bad anyway. So I'm going to give up and be my old self. So there my encouragement is, okay, if you believe that, if, you, if we believe this view on discipleship is about knowing and being known, all I've got to go do is go to John 15. I've got to go remain again. I've got to say, Lord, you said people are at your heart. You love people. That's why you, God, made sure Jesus was crucified so we could come to him. And the, the reason for that was love. If that's what you have on you and you want us to know you, God wants to be known by us and you want to know us, teach me how. I'm not stepping out. I, I'm not, I, I will not go know people and be known by people unless you do it in me. Because I know if I go by myself, in my own strength, my own wisdom, it's, gonna, it's not going to work out. So just remain. Go. I have to. Sorry, one. If you eat at Sammy's house and you don't know anything about sport, you're going to hate it. The O can't help himself. He's just going to speak sport from cricket, rugby, and I know American football. So now it's finished. So where you could have a chance to speak something else. So, so while I'm sitting with him, what am I going to do? I'm going to speak about sport. It's at the center of what he loves doing. So in the same way, if I'm just at Jesus' feet, reading, praying, spending time, people, if the people is truly at his heart, and discipleship is tr- the, the vehicle how he wants to get to people, surely he must lay it on my heart. Surely he must. So it's not out of works, it's out of us just remaining in him. And then the last one, <clears throat> sorry, let me read you something quickly on that one. Um, you guys know, one of them know me, so when I read you this, it's not at all, to say, yes, Joey, um, by remaining. So this is a text conversation between myself and I help these guys at CARES, um, King Edward the Seventh School with their rugby in between. So a little while ago, a friend, one of the guys there wrote me this, we had this you know, this conversation. He says, Joey, um, I see you guys are doing great things. He speak about the 19s. He says, keep it up, man. Continue touching people through your kindness. So, okay, thanks. So I say, thanks, sir. It means a lot. Um, ultimately, we are coaching for that reason, to influence young people's lives for the better. Now ask him, how is he doing? He says he hates doing long jump at school, whatever. Then he says this last part. You are an inspiration, and God is working his miracles through you. It's amazing and beautiful to see. So I'm thinking this. Let me tell you honestly. I really, I really thought if I had to do a a cross-check of where my ministry is, Kids wasn't it, that school. I was there, they gave me easy money, coached the kids, and I go home. That's honestly how I saw it. Um, but it's just God's grace once again, but just the fact that by being, being in Christ, there's something that, when you speak about the fruit that you'll produce, it's not fruit necessarily of how many disciples you make or whatever. It's just that when the fruit of the Spirit, not by you, by your works, but by grace flows in you, he people just see it it's it's you know so I didn't I, I promise you I didn't read this and think I'm glad you picked it up I swear to you it's just like oh, where did you pick it up you understand that's so my point is just that that's just part of remaining and being intimate um then the very last one is just I'm uh, saying to us just be alert and be on mission so imagine your day starts in the morning when you say I'm waking up so I'm gonna give you my day I'm waking up, the guys are going to go gym, after gym we've got a training session, after the training session we've got a whole day off, or in between off, the guys go to class and I see them again in the evening for training. That's how my day goes, I can see it that way. Or I can see the guys have got gym today, our conditioning guy, he's got a relationship with the Lord but I'm not sure where he stands. I'm going to go to gym earlier today and spend time with him and just chat with him. Then the team is training. Um, I know that these two guys have sent me text messages about how they're struggling with stuff. I'm going to ask them if the team can pray for them and if I can spend a one-on-one with them and have coffee with them. Then that middle period where the time is off, there's a whole lot of time left there. Why don't I see if I can spend time with Tebs over lunch? Eat lunch with him, just see how he's doing. He's part of the discipleship group, let me do that. Then when that is finished in the afternoon session, one of the fellow coaches, I know he's going through a difficult time, he's divorced, he's got a single son. Let me just ask him how he's doing and how he's finding that. It changes everything. If our days become less about the mission and more about the people in that mission, it's going to change everything. I promise you. Then no job you do is boring and tired and I don't want to do it anymore because it's not the job anymore. It's the people. There are people there. I wonder how the cleaning lady is. So, let us pray. Um, Father God, thank you that um, you are good. Um, thank you that you've got people at the core of your heart. Um, thank you that you would entrust us with such a massive mission. Um, you you know you, you've entrusted with us because you've got your, we've got your spirit in us. Um, we've got your power that you spoke about in uh, Matthew 28 to help us do this thing. So, I pray... That you'll not make us a people who are going to strive to get this thing right, but you'll make us a people who remain in you. um, That we'll catch your heart for people, we'll catch your heart for discipleship, and then we'll just go out there and live our lives in a manner that's pleasing and honoring to you, um, to your glory. Uh, May many people come to know you because you have helped change our hearts today about this. Let it not just be words we've heard and heard before, but let it be transforming words. Words that will take our hearts of stone and move them away and just give us a heart of flesh. A flesh that will feel for you, that wants to be known and know you and wants to be known and known by our fellowshipers in this church in Jesus.